The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to episode 99 of the Creepshow Chronicles, the podcast where we discuss murder and the macabre and ponder it over some good chronic. <laughs> so grab your weed, your wine, and some coffee, and let's get creepy, bitches. I'm Ashley. I'm Sam. And we are one week away from the season finale. Next week, is our 100th episode, and we are so excited for season two. Yay! Season two will start on October 3rd, just in time for the spooky season. So this was originally Ashley's episode, but, um, you know, she had the panini, and oh, so panini. I got bored because I got all my episodes done, and so I'm just like, well, shit, I'll just do this episode. <laughs> well, what was funny is, like, well, okay. You know, I could probably, you know, sit here and, you know, die, but the fucking Rona doesn't want you to do that. No. Because the flu, like, ten times worse. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> Enough of my banter and bullshit. How are you? I'm peachy. Yeah, how are you, darling? How are you? <laughs> so let's just get into this. Get our planchet ready and call the corners and all that shit. Okay. Hell to the watchtowers of the... I invoke thee, Manal. Alright, so Ouija board. One of the first mentions of the automatic writing method used in the Ouija board is found in China around 1100 AD in historical documents of the Song Dynasty. The method was known as Fuji, or planchette writing. The use of the planchette writing as an ostensible means of necromancy and communication with the spirit world continued and, albeit under special rules and supervisions, was a central practice of the Kwazen school until it was forbidden by the Qing dynasty. The Ouija board that we know and love or dread today has been around since the 1890s. However, talking boards were a part of historic civilizations around the world for centuries. A board was once used in ancient Rome to predict the next king. Across the globe, spirit writing was a common method for communication, communicating with the dead in China before it was outlawed nearly a century ago. It's clear that people have been trying to use boards to contact the other side for a very long time. People of the Victorian era were no exception, and they were especially fascinated by ghosts and the supernatural. Many individuals followed a movement called spiritualism, stay tuned for episode 100, the belief that the spirits of the dead are present and all around us, and when prompted, can communicate with the living. The spread of spiritualism across North America and throughout Europe was accompanied by a rise in consumer goods and new inventions. Products that promised to prove the existence of spirits and offered opportunity to uh, commune with deceased loved ones were being marketed all the time. While many genuinely believed in er, spiritual communications from an invisible realm, some business people looking to take advantage of the trend swiftly cashed in. The modern Ouija board that we've become familiar with was patented patented by Elijah Bond. The business venture of making and selling the boards in the United States was signed over to the uh, Kennard Novelty Company in 1891 and the International Novelty Company in Canada in the same year. 
People adhering to the spiritualist movement of the Victorian era were already using talking boards, but Bond's Ouija board was the first widespread commercial attempt to make money on the idea. A combination of good timing and smart, smart marketing ensured the Ouija board would become a resounding success. It's unclear if Bond and his partners genuinely believed that their board can contact spirits, but they managed to convince enough people to secure a patent for the design. Bond was involved in a number of other inventions over the years, including ones for steam-powered engines, and when he wasn't participating in invention schemes, Bond practiced law in Baltimore. Although he tried to patent another talking board towards the end of his life, the Ouija board was his monumental claim to fame. The early Ouija boards were marketed as a toy and game for the entire family, and plenty of ordinary middle-class people bought them for entertainment. However, its connections with spiritualism and its potential to communicate with the dead attracted another type of clientele. Spiritualists of all kinds were fascinated with the new device and wondered if the product could assist in their quest in communicating with the other side. For the Canard Novelty Company, who manufactured the board, it didn't matter why people were buying their game. They were flying off the shelves and making them rich. A pair of girls in upstate New York named the Fox Sisters, claiming to be mediums able to interpret mysterious knocks from the other side, had launched a spiritualist movement that continued to hold sway across the country. In fact, in the aftermath of the Civil War, with so many husbands, fathers, and sons lost in the conflict's bloody battles, spiritualism, the belief the dead can speak to the living, had only gained steam with people desperate for a connection to departed loved ones and greater meaning in their own lives including our very own First Lady, Mary Todd Lincoln. In the, it's in this context, in, the eight, in 1886, during the period, Kennard and, I think it's Richie, um, shared a hallway that newspaper reports began appearing about a talking board phenomena sweeping Ohio, including an Associated Press story that ran in the local Kent County News. It's also about this time, according to a late, uh, later Baltimore American story, that Kennard and Ritchie, most likely inspired by the AP account, began collaborating and making at least a dozen of their own talking boards. Ritchie or Raish, whoever, um, the biggest coffin maker in town, is making these on the side, explains Robert Murch, the, uh, the world's foremost talking board historian. And it's these prototypes that became the Ouija board. But it's Kennard when he leaves Chestertown for Baltimore in 1890 where he continues in the fertilizer game and starts a real estate business who begins pitching what he says is his talking board invention to potential investors. After numerous rejections, Elijah Bond, a local attorney who claimed his sister-in-law was a strong medium, finally took an interest. Soon enough, the Kennard Novelty Company, which incorporated the day before Halloween 125 years ago, uh, began manufacturing Ouija boards, much as they appear today. Bond was right about his sister-in-law, too. Helen Peters proved convincing enough with Kennard's new talking board to win over a skeptical U.S. patent office. She not only gets credit for earning the stamp of legitimacy from the federal government certifying the board delivered as promised, but also for receiving the O-U-I-J-A name from the board itself, which told her the strange word meant good luck. Actually, um, that's a lie. In truth, the name Ouija, or Ouija, was written on the necklace locket that Peters was wearing at the time. So, the, the folklore is that the board named itself. But in actuality, the name, the words were on, the letters were on her necklace. 
I still won't get one. Sorry. I will never. I will never either touch or mess no. with the Ouija board. Absolutely not. Like, no. <laughs> oh. So, quote, in the 19th century, people had a different relationship to death, end quote. So, yes. So, yes, an undertaker and an opportunist named Kennard invented, or Kennard, invented the only patent board uh, game billed as both a mystical board for communicating with the spirits and a wholesome amusement ever to outsell Monopoly in a given year. Quote, it comes straight from the 19th century seances says Ricketts, curator at the National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York, noting that a glow-in-the-dark board and a classic version are still sold today. There has never been another uh, another brand of board game like it, and I don't see it fading away anytime soon. Story of the Ouija board, however, is more than a tale of a snake oil salesman duping the Victorian masses or subsequently a game of harmless fun at a million junior high sleepovers, while it remains an amazingly enduring pop culture phenomena tied to the rise of horror movie and paranormal industri- uh, industrial complexes, its saga is also about the universal desire to find answers to life's biggest questions, the history of psychology, and even the development of neuroscience. Quote, it's always been a board game, a parlor game, but it has always been more than a board game for some people, too, Merch says. Quote, in the 19th century, people had a much different relationship to death than we do today. It was much closer to their everyday experience. Now we do everything we can in hopes of avoiding aging, let alone engage in any real thoughts of death. But in the 1800s, people only lived to be 50 years old. Mothers would have 12 children and six of them would die. Their parlor rooms were also their funeral rooms. Not surprisingly, perhaps, there's a dark side or two buried in Ouija's origin story. There always is when money is at stake, and by the early 1890s, and some 2,000 Ouija boards were already being sold a week, William Fold, who worked for and invested in the Canard Novelty Company, and eventually gained control of the Ouija business, and uh, after the founder cashed out too early, (laughs) ooh, sucks to be you, uh, went out to make millions manufacturing the board in Baltimore and elsewhere, but only after his brother was cut out of the company. Their ensuing lawsuits were no mere spat. William's brother Isaac became so embittered that he had his baby daughter exhumed and relocated from the Fold family gravesite during a cemetery renovation. The two sides of the family would not speak for 96 years. And tragically, William Fold would suffer a fatal accident at his Hartford Avenue factory one he claimed a, in a 1919 Baltimore Sun story that the Ouija had told him to build, prepare for big business, it said, um, overseeing the installation of a flag, an iron railing gave way and he fell off the roof of the structure, which still stands and has been converted into a senior apartment complex. Quote, on his deathbed, the coroner report said, broken rib pierced his heart. He made his children promise to never sell the Ouija Ouija out of the family, says Mert. So, um, of course, Fold's family did sell, but not for four decades, to Parker Brothers, which promptly moved Ouija to its base operations in Salem, Massachusetts. In 1967, the first year it was headquartered in the town infamous for its witch trials, Ouija also sold two million boards. By comparison, Monopoly, an early version, was invented in 1903, it wasn't popular until the Great Depression when it fulfilled a kind of fantasy escapism. 
Ouija, on the other hand, was a sensation from the onset long before its uh, first film appearances, which date back to Hollywood's beginnings. But Ouija's, Ouija's public image has always been a complicated one. Initially, the mysterious oracle was marketed as a game to enliven a party or encourage a little light-hearted intimacy for romantic or would-be romantic couples, who were often depicted in early advertisements with the board resting on their knees as they sat across from each other, both hands on the planchette. Norman Rockwell, who was fond of depicting the uh, revealing moments of everyday life, painted a well-dressed suitor and young woman chairs pulled face to face playing with a Ouija board for the cover of the Saturday Evening Post in 1920 and I would love to have that picture to put in both of our offices. Ooh, that would be awesome. That would be cool. So less well known is the Ouija board's inspiration or as an automatic writing tool by acclaimed novelist and poet such as Sylvia Plath who wrote dialogue over a Ouija board and Pulitzer Prize winner James Merrill. Merrill used notes from Ouija consultations in his 560-page epic poem, The Changing Light at Sandover, which contained messages from W.B. Yeats, friend Maya Darren, and the archangel Michael. Ooh, that son of a bitch, Michael. <laughs> if you're a Supernatural fan. <laughs> right, I'm like... Why you gotta be an asshole? Why you gotta be like that? Why you gotta be like that? Just saying. The Ouija board continued to enjoy fluctuating popularity through the mid-20th century, but everything changed in 1973 when the use of the ever-popular game came to a screeching halt with the release of the popular horror movie, The Exorcist. The film was loosely based on a true story of Roland Doe's long exorcism in the 1940s, but many elements were added for dramatic effect. Although it's unlikely that the Ouija board was ever involved in Roland Doe's real-life story, the board took a prominent place in the 1973 film. Even the writer of the novel who inspired the film was convinced that Ouija boards were connected with evil. When the main character was possessed for supposedly playing with a Ouija board alone, mass perception of the simple parlor game was altered forever. Soon, Ouija boards and many other practices of spiritualism were swept up in a mass panic. People were suddenly terrified of the beloved game and almost overnight it became associated with Satan. Throughout the 1970s and into the 1980s, more books and movies flooded the market that warned the Ouija board dangers and played upon new fears of contacting evil spirits. Devil! Mm-hmm. Oh, we gotta pull the devil card. Oh, every time. Uh-huh. You got on a hand. Okay, <laughs> that's what they said to the pagans. Uh-huh. Get over it. Satanic panic. <sighs> A decade after The Exorcist was released, this per uh, pervasive fear of spiritualism and practices associated with contacting the dead eventually culminated in a widespread fear that devil worshippers were performing horrific rituals across North America. As, uh, after spiritualism became associated with contacting the devil, the reputation of the Ouija board was forever intertwined with evil. As I said, satanic panic. Yeah. So, despite its unwarranted negative publicity through the later decades, the 20th century, the Ouija board, is being rediscovered, um, sorry, being rediscovered, and some people are becoming more comfortable with its presence. Its appearance in popular television shows and movies, not as an object to conjure evil, but as a fascinating game to play with friends, has helped repair some damage. There have even been competitions for who has the biggest Ouija board. 
Still, even with popular appearances on the rise, many people still refuse to be in the same room with one. Grave make marker. Part of this resurgence of the Ouija board is a new grave marker in a Baltimore cemetery. For years, the grave of Elijah Bond was unmarked and almost lost to history. A dedicated group of paranormal enthusiasts, cemetery staff, and volunteers eventually located the grave and arranged for a new stone commemorating the inventor. The unique headstone at his grave attests to Bond's famous life work by taking the form of a Ouija board. It's unclear if anyone has ever tried to use the planchette on the granite marker and try to contact his spirit. And if you scroll down, you can see his tombstone there. Oh, it is good. a Ouija board. Pretty cool. Yeah, right? <laughs> the following years after the exorcist saw the Ouija board denounced by religious groups as Satan's preferred method of communication. In 2001, in Almogordo, New Mexico, it was being buried on, burned on bonfires along with copies of Harry Potter and Disney Snow White, because Christians, um, <laughs> Christian religious groups still remain wary of the board, fuck you, citing scripture denouncing and communication with spirits through mediums. Catholic.com calls the Ouija board far from harmless, and as recently as 2011, 700 Club host Pat Robertson, Robertson, dickhead, declared that demons can reach us through the board, which I don't disagree with, but he's still a dickhead. Um, even with the even within the paranormal community, Ouija boards enjoy a dodgy reputation. Merch says that when he first began speaking at paranormal conventions, he was told to leave his antique boards at home because they scared people too much. Parker Brothers, and later Hasbro, after they acquired Parker Brothers in 1991, still sold hundreds of thousands of them, but the reason why people were buying them had changed significantly. Ouija boards were spooky rather than, than spiritual, with a distinct frisson of danger. In recent years, Ouija is popular yet again, driven in part by economic uncertainty and the board's usefulness as a plot device. The hugely popular Paranormal Activity 1 and 2 are featured, um, both featured a Ouija board. It's popped up in episodes of Supernatural and multiple Paranormal Reality TV programs. Yeah. Hot Topic, mall favorite of goth team, fuck yeah, sells a set of Ouija board bra and underwear, and for those wishing to commune with the beyond while <laughs> on the go, there's an app. Or 20 for that. Or 20? <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> this year, Hasbro released a more mystical version of the game, replacing its old glow-in-the-dark version for purists. Hasbro also licensed the rights to make it a classic version to another company. But the real question, the one that everyone wants to know, is how does the Ouija board work? So the Ouija board... Um, Ouija boards are not... Hang on. Ouija boards are not scientists they powered by spirits or even demons disappointing but also potentially useful because they're powered by us even when we protest that we are not doing it and we swear the ouija board phenomena is considered by the scientific community to be the result of the ideomotor response ideomotor response whatever whichever one michael faraday first described this effect in 1853 while investigating table turning Various studies have been conducted recreating the effects of the Ouija board in the lab and showing that under laboratory conditions, the subject were moving the planchette involuntarily. A 2012 study found that when answering yes or no questions, Ouija use was significantly more accurate than guesswork, suggesting that it might draw on the unconscious mind. Skeptics have described a Ouija board user as operators. 
Some critics have noted that the messages ostensibly spelled out by spirits were similar to whatever was going through the minds of the subjects. According to professor of neurology Terence Hines in his book Pseudoscience and the Paranormal. The planchette is guided by unconscious muscular exertions like those responsible for table movement. Nonetheless, in both cases, the illusion that the object or table or planchette, um, the object, table or planchette, wow, is moving under its own control and is often extremely powerful and sufficient to convince many people that spirits are truly at work. The unconscious muscle, muscle movements responsible for the moving tables and Ouija board phenomena seen at seances are examples of a class of phenomena due to what psychologists call a disassociative state. A disassociative state is one in which consciousness, um, yeah, consciousness is somehow divided or cut from some aspect of the individual's normal cognitive, cognitive, motor, or sensory functions. Some involuntary movements are known as automat automatism. This is what the theory of the ideomotor phenomena is based on. Automatism can be defined as carrying out a task without the feeling of doing so. It's like whenever you drive home from somewhere and you completely disassociate and then you arrive at your destination and you're like, how the fuck did I get here? That's you, a good example. You of zone that. out. It's, yeah. I know they call it something. Disassociate. That's yeah, what it is. It's... An example of automatism is when two people are moving the planchette, but neither of them consciously move it. Both believe that the other player is driving the planchette. These moments of automatism are not unnoticed subconscious action. They are measurable events that you consciously respond to. In the case of a Ouija board, the feeling of lack of control one feels during automatism is what leads to the illusion of supernatural movement. One thinks that they aren't moving it, and yet the planchette is still moving, which feeds into the idea of the supernatural interference. This correlates with the ideometer phenomena because both rely on unconscious movement. The difference is that the ideometer phenomena is based on the idea that just the idea that something can happen tricks the brain into doing it. For example, thinking about not moving the planchette leads to the possibility of the planchette moving, which then makes someone unconsciously move the planchette. So Ouija boards were already criticized by scholars early on, described, being described in a 1927 journal as a vestigial remains of primitive belief systems and a con to part fools from, from their money. Another 1921 journal described reports of Ouija board findings as half-truths and suggested that their inclusion in national newspapers at the time lowered the national discourse overall. The effect is very convincing as Dr. Chris French, professor of psychology and anomalistic psychology at Goldsmiths University of London explains, quote, it can generate a very strong impression that the movement is being caused by some outside agency, but it's not. Other devices such as dowsing rods or more recently the fake bomb detection kits that deceive scores of international governments and armed services work on the same principle of non-conscious movement. Quote, the thing about these mechanisms we're talking about, dowsing rods, Ouija boards, pendulums, the small tables, they're all devices whereby a, uh, a quite, quite a small muscular movement can cause quite a large effect, he says. Planchettes, in particular, are well suited for their uh, task. Many used, many used to be constructed of a lightweight wooden board and fitted with small casters to help them move more smoothly and freely. Now, they're usually plastic and have felt feet, which also help them slide on the board easily. 
Whether the boards actually work or not, you won't find either of us playing with them. Yeah. I... Sorry. I personally... I... I do like science, and I am a science-based person. I like the facts and the details and all that stuff. But I'm I'm a skeptic, but I'm, I believe. That's why I'm agnostic, because I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I can't say there is. I right. can't say there isn't. Right. Right. Um, that was Ouija Boards. Um, if you'd like to follow us on social media, check out our link tree at The Creep Show Chronicles. You can also find all of our listening platforms there as well. For future recommendations... You can email us at thecreepshow18 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show. I'm Sam. And I'm Ashley. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.